Thank you for tuning in to the Red Clinic Podcast. I'm Dr. Shuelin, licensed psychologist and specialist in the treatment of eating disorders. Today, we're going to do what we do best and provide some information to you all about eating disorders, treatment, what to expect when you seek out treatment, and um, just following up with what I kind of talked about last week. So I introduced the concept of what is the first session like when you go see a therapist. And so this week I have Lee Shelton joining. Hello. Hey, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited that you're here too. Lee, why are you here today? Will you tell our audience what the point of today is going yeah, to be? Yeah, so I get to be uh, the person going into a into a session for the first time. Yeah. And this is my first session, so this is perfect. <laughs> All right. So Lee's going to act as our mock therapy client, right? Mm-hmm. Um, today, what we're going to enact is the first assessment or the first intake appointment. Okay. So last week, I kind of talked about ideas of what to expect. Today, we're going to show you what that looks like. Um, And then we're going to follow this episode actually with a part three of this almost series that we've created uh, to also show you what a first therapy session will look like. So let me give you just the difference between the initial appointment and then the initial therapy session. A lot of clients will um, mistakenly think that the first session is therapy. They might come to the appointment uh, ready to start opening up or really nervous that that might be what's asked of them. And for most providers who want to do a good, thorough job, the first session actually isn't therapy. The first session is the initial intake, meaning the therapist is going to spend some time with you to really get to know you and your history and to really understand what's going on with you so that they can use that information to then create the treatment plan. The next session after that would be where therapy would actually start, okay? So today we're going to demonstrate, just give an idea, a free sample (laughs) of what an intake looks like. All right, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, so... Um, let me get into the role. I got to pretend to be a psychologist. <laughs> it shouldn't <laughs> so be too hard. Interesting, right? <laughs> all right. Um, all right. So hi, Lee. How are you? I'm doing really good. How are you doing? I'm really good. So I'm Dr. Schwalen. I'm a licensed psychologist. Today, we're going to be doing an initial assessment. Have you ever done anything like this before? I have not. Okay. So let me give you an idea of what to expect. It's a lot of talking. I'm going to try to find out a little bit about you in different areas of your life. And we're going to scratch the surface on a lot of different topics. So today is not a therapy session, but it may feel like we are doing some therapy because you're going to be talking about things that maybe you've never been asked about before. Before we get started, I want to just go over what the limits of confidentiality are. Um, So basically everything we talk about is between us. Um, Nothing will be shared with anyone unless you release me to be able to share that information. So you'll always know who I would be talking um, to uh, on your behalf if that were the case. The only other times that I have to release information is if you were to tell me that you were thinking about hurting yourself or if you were in danger, if you knew of vulnerable populations that were in danger, so those are like children or elderly, Mm -hmm. um, or if a, a judge ordered some of your records, or if insurance was asking for your records. In those cases, I would always let you know ahead of time, um, and then we could have communication about what information I would be sharing and what that would look like. Do you have any questions about that? I don't think so. All right. So 
Um, like I said, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions today. It's just a lot of talking. I'm going to use today's information to formulate diagnostic impressions. Um, at the end of the appointment, I may also be sending you an email with different psychological questionnaires that you could complete for me. Or if I feel like we need to follow up with any kind of testing, I'll let you know. Um, and then from there, we will create a treatment plan together. Sounds good. All right. So let's start with you answering the question, what brings you in today? Um, I, I'm, I'm here because uh, I, I guess I saw the episode Check Up from the Neck Up. Okay. And I thought this would be a good opportunity for, uh, for me to, to do that. All right. So you're interested in just a general assessment. Yes. What, what has made you interested in that? I mean, when you saw the episode, maybe something resonated for you. Yeah. So I, I think that, you know, I just wanted to kind of make sure that I live a pretty balanced life and, and that sort of thing, but I just kind of wanted to, uh, uh, really kind of check in. I, I, I don't have a ton of different people kind of speaking into uh, the the mental state of my life always. And so th- this is just something that I, I wanted to do because uh, I I just wanted to make sure that, that you know, I, I'm pretty healthy physically. I wanted to be as healthy as I can be mentally as well. All right. So we're going to talk a lot about just different types of emotional and physical and mental things that I would I would need to have access to yeah. in order to really figure out if there is anything at all that's going on with you. Sounds good. So it sounds like you're being really proactive right now. Yes. Okay. So tell me about um, just yourself. You know, who are you? Who do you live with? If you have children, what you do for a living, that kind of thing. Very cool. So I uh, work in marketing for a living. I have a uh, wife who I've been married to for almost 15 years. I have three children. I have a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 5-year-old. Okay. And how would you say the marriage is? Uh, I would say that uh, I think there's ups and downs in every marriage, but I think our, I think our marriage is, is really strong. We, uh, uh, we make sure that we, we kind of do a lot together, spend a lot of time together, uh, really really trying to spend intentional time together, not just, not just time in front of the television, but really try to spend intentional time together. Um, and so on that side of things, I think that, uh, uh, I think that we're, we're progressing forward and, and, and getting closer as opposed to growing apart. Okay. So you guys are, you, you know, you're dating, you're spending time together. Yes. Okay. How's co-parenting? Um, that's an interesting one. And that's, this may be a, a, uh, one thing that'd be a great thing for me to kind of talk about a little bit. Sometimes we have different, uh, perspectives on, we have very, very similar values, but sometimes we have different perspectives as far as, uh, um, how to handle different things parenting wise. Okay. Give me like, so when you guys have differences or disagreements, how are you normally, um, handling them? So we typically, uh, have have followed you guys advice from the podcast and we'd be talking about that stuff privately typically um and so every once in a while that's that's not the case we never kind of blow up about it in front of each other but every once in a while there's there's some correction that takes place back and forth in front of the kids um but for the most part we would be we would be you know kind of noting it and then talking about it later together but there's still some things that that we're probably not on the same page about okay so you really would like to find a way to get on the same page yes. with co-parenting issues. Yes. When you do have a disagreement, what does resolution usually look like? How do you guys work through that? 
Yeah, so it, it, there are times where where we'd have a disagreement about something, um, and we'd be able to kind of um, uh, come together and uh, talk that out, and and either have some type of a compromise, or I see it from her perspective, she sees it from my perspective, and we just one would change their mind. Um, there's other times where uh, we would, you know, come together and and we leave not having the same perspective still. And, and there's no real how to move forward from there. It's just kind of like agree to disagree, but it's something that's going to keep popping back up. So it's hard to agree to disagree about something that's going to be a recurring thing. Okay. So it's kind of like you have the same argument over and over again yes. and it can fester. Yes. Okay. All right. And how are the kids? Do they get along? 94% of the time they get along. <laughs> that's pretty specific. <laughs> okay. And what do you do for the parent-child relationship? Do you, do you try to spend time with them? Yeah. So, um, you know, they're all in, while well, somewhat similar ages, they all have different interests and that kind of stuff. So, um, with my, uh, with my 10 year old, it's probably the easiest. It's a, it, uh, he's a boy and, uh, and kind of into a lot of stuff dad's into anyway. And so that makes it easy. Um, with my daughter, uh, she has a, she has some speech delays. Um, and so just initially with, with that, that made it a little bit more difficult to connect that she's kind of grown leaps and bounds since, uh, since we first kind of went down that path. And, uh, and so, um, just having to be a lot more intentional because we, we don't have a ton of similarities as far as interests and that kind of stuff. And so I've become interested in the princess stuff and that kind of thing for book reading and, and playtime and that kind of stuff with her. And then with my five-year-old, um, it, it, there was a bit of a process of kind of n- under, like remembering what it was to parent a five-year-old boy again. Cause I had kind of passed that. And so I had to mentally start over again and realize, Oh, the stuff that we did here, I get to do again. Mm-hmm. As, um, so yes, a lot of individual time and a lot of time with all, all, uh, all of us, Nerf battles and all that good stuff. So you guys like to spend time together yes. as a family? Yes. Okay. Um, and then work. Tell me about work. Um, work is uh, work is good. Work is, uh, um, you know, I, I work a good many hours, um, but I'm, we're, we've kind of done a good job of kind of managing that. Um, my wife doesn't work, and so... Uh, or she does work. She just does. She just is a is a, a full time mom. Um, <laughs> I would have been reminded of that very very quickly if I hadn't have corrected myself. Um, she's she's fantastic and and really you know makes it where as far as the the a lot of the daily stuff I'm freed up to work as 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 many hours as I work and that kind of thing. But we always make sure that um, the hours that are carved out for family are carved out for family. Okay. So I, I really enjoy my job. Like I really enjoy my job and, uh, and it's demanding in a lot of ways, but, but it's really rewarding as well. Okay. And so then when you're now with your family or work, what do you do with your time? Most of my time would be consumed with those two things. Okay. So would you say there's not a lot of time for personal self-care, downtime. That would be very, that would be a very true statement. All right. So when you feel stressed, what does that feel like for you? Um, I'm going to give an answer and you, and, and I may, I want to make sure I'm kind of going in the right direction with this answer. So when I feel stressed, I feel, um, like just almost physical pressure sometimes with, with stress. Okay. I was about to say the word pressure, which I think is a common word to use with stress, but like, um, uh, just, I mean, I guess that's the the best way to describe it. Just like almost physical, 
physical pressure in those okay. moments. Let's get a little bit more specific because it's going to help okay. me better help you, right? Okay. So physical pressure for some clients, it can feel like maybe a tightening chest okay. or shortness of breath, or maybe they realize they're holding their breath and they just have to remember to breathe. It can be headaches or stomach aches. Um, do you resonate with any of that? Um, I would, uh, I don't know that it would be any of those things except for potentially a little, like not pain in the chest, obviously, but, but I, I have had tightening in the chest before. Um, I've never had any kind of like stomach pains or anything like that from it. Um, but I would say I like not taking as deep a breaths and that kind of thing. Like I've had to be like, Oh, I'm like shortening my intake and outtake of breath right now. Okay. Um, yeah. Have you ever had a panic attack? No. Okay. And you know what those are? Yes. All right. What's your definition of panic attack? Oh gosh, attack? I know you're going to ask me that. <laughs> um, I'm, my definition is about to get redefined. I'm glad you asked me. So, uh, I would define a panic attack as, um, uh, maybe being overwhelmed by it to such a degree that you are, uh, maybe not quite as, as functional as you would have been otherwise. Okay. So I'm asking about panic in the form of like, uh, chest tightening, shortness of breath, maybe feeling like the walls are closing in on you. Um, maybe even the sense that like, I got to get out of here or I'm going to die. Um, that overwhelmed to the point of even hyperventilating. I have not, um, I wouldn't say it's gone that far before, but again, I have had some, a little bit of tightening in the chest before and shortness of breath. I, I wouldn't describe it as like, I'm having a hard time catching my breath, shortness of breath, meaning I'm taking shorter breaths. Okay. Like I'm not taking as deep a breath as I normally, like as I am right now, as okay. I normally would in a comfortable situation. All right. All right. And then, um, what else happens when you get stressed? Um, it, it would take, uh, kind of outward, um, it would manifest outwardly by me being quicker with my wife or my kids in situations that they're not even involved with, but just, just responding, um, just too quickly, too flippantly, um, bordering on harsh is probably too harsh of a term for that, that I, I wouldn't use that term, but I, I would say we kind of creep into that just highly irritable, okay. um, in those moments. I mean, that's pretty good insight. So you definitely recognize that about yourself already. Um, any problems sleeping? Uh, no. So this would be like falling asleep, staying asleep, nothing like no. that. Okay. What about changes in appetite? Um, when I am in stressful situations, I would, uh, I would, I, I've like forgotten to eat and eaten way less and that kind of thing. Okay. So I don't know if, I don't know if I would describe it any, any is like, just almost forgetting to like the, like just kind of focusing on moving forward and, and hopefully getting out of the stress by working, working out of it as opposed to taking the time to eat and taking the time to that kind of thing. Okay. All right. So we're going to, we're going to, I'll ask you a few more questions about stress and different kinds of feelings later. Okay. I'm going to jump more into just, um, just like different categories here. So we talked about home and work and your own personal time parenting, your family life, things like that. Now I want to ask you a little bit about your support system, maybe even your, just a little bit about your childhood and like if you're still connected to parents or siblings or anything like that. Okay. So just go for it. Tell me a little bit about yourself. So I, I grew up in South Carolina, uh, in the foothills of the mountains of South Carolina. Um, parents divorced when I was five, um, or I guess four. And then my mom got remarried, um, 
not not ridiculously long after that, about a year later, um, had a present dad uh, uh, that I was with every other weekend. Um, stepdad had a fantastic relationship with. Um, I have a sister who's 15 years older, a brother who's five years younger, and uh, and um, so upbringing was. Uh, I, I just I had a great. every memory I have of growing up basically is a good memory. Honestly, I had a really good parents that, um, were fantastic at at support and encouragement. Um, I was homeschooled through, uh, from middle of junior high when we had junior highs back in the day, all the way through high school. Um, which, which overall was a positive experience for me. It taught me self-learning. Um, it taught me independence, that kind of thing. Um, and then, uh, when I, so that's kind of younger years when I was 24, um, or I guess when I was 23, my mom got diagnosed with, uh, Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. And, uh, a lot of times you can live, it's, it's, it's a disease that is a hundred percent fatal. Um, but oftentimes you can live, you know, two, four, six years with that. She passed away pretty quickly after being di- about a year and a half after being diagnosed with that. Um, so that's kind of highlights, I guess, of, uh, of growing up years. Do you feel like you had a chance to grieve the loss of your mom? Yes. Um, there was a, there's still things kind of mentally I would go back to on that kind of stuff. So, um, we were actually living in Texas at the time when she was sick. I was home visiting when she, when she, like when it turned, like we had no idea. And so I was home for a week and it turned real bad real quickly. And, uh, and the week stay stayed into a couple of weeks stays so that we could be there for, I mean, it was started off as a visit and ended up being a funeral. Um, I had no kids at the time, so it, it was just me and my, me and my wife and, uh, and she was fantastic through, through that. And so there was a lot of kind of being there for siblings and, and, and aunts and uncles and that kind of stuff. Like I kind of tried to take on a little bit of that role. Um, but at the same time, I think that, that I think that actually helped me process too. Um, and so about a year later, uh, we were, um, in fact, a year later, we were pregnant with our, uh, uh, firstborn son. And so some of that was actually a little bit more difficult than I think it would have been knowing, this relationship that was, had been so important to me, like he's, he's going to get to know her through stories and that kind of stuff, but never get to get to meet her. So he met two great grandmothers, but not his grandmother. That was my mom. So anyways, that's the, that's kind of, uh, I, I would say yes to the, to being able to grieve part. I, I think it kind of looked like busyness of being there for other people at some points. And so having to kind of purposefully take some quiet moments and that kind of thing to, uh, um, but I did, I did that. I did that. Okay. All right. So thank you for sharing that. Cause yeah. sometimes talking about stuff like that can be a little different, right? Yes. You're doing awesome. Um, since we're on the topic of homeschool and we talked a little bit about that, do you remember ever having any kind of learning differences or needing any kind of special help or even, uh, the opposite of that, where you were in the gifted and talented courses or anything like that, um, there were there were 
some subjects I had to pay special attention to. I think those were because I, I uh, at least this, this is the excuse I made. Um, I, anything I didn't have a particular interest in, I didn't do as well in. Okay. The things I had great interest in, even if it was harder, I did really, really well in. Okay. Um, and so I, I mean, I, I graduated with it above, with a like state testing and everything like that above a 4.0, but, um, but I definitely, especially initially being homeschooled because it was such a different schedule and there was so much more required of me. Um, there was some times where catch up and that kind of thing had to take place. Uh, but over the course of those, I guess, six years, um, I, I got a lot more, became a lot more of a self-starter in those kind of things. And I'd honestly, I would attribute that to a lot of just those lessons learned, not even necessarily the education side of stuff, but those lessons learned, I would attribute to a lot of what I'm doing in life and that kind of thing right now. Okay. That's really cool. So you made it work for you. Yes. Um, what's your highest level of education? Uh, bachelor's degree. And, um, uh, after you obtained your bachelor's degree, what did you do? I mean, what did you think you wanted to be when you, when you grew up, right? When you were younger? Yeah. So I, uh, I, from the time I was like very, very little, wanted to be a, uh, a pastor, uh, went to school for theology, um, past, was a youth pastor at a couple of different churches. Um, I was a lead pastor in church in Athens, Georgia for five years, um, and so that was kind of, I, f- I felt called from a young age to, to do stuff in ministry, regardless of what that looked like. That's so interesting. So you had this pretty different path that you took in your career now. Yes. How long have you been in marketing? Um, so that has overlapped the pastoring side of things okay. for quite a bit. So uh, 11 years in marketing, um, in vocational ministry, uh, 10 years in that. Okay. So there's like a nice overlap that you yes. have found between the two. Yes. You made your interests work for you I again. Did. Okay. That's like a common theme, I think, for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, now we're going to switch gears. I want to talk to you a little bit about your medical history. Okay. Do you have any significant medical history? That would be hospitalizations, surgeries, current medical conditions, or even medications that you're taking. Zero. No to all of that. No to all that. Okay. Um, what about previous psychiatric history? So any, any, experience seeing any kind of therapist or counselor, any kind of mental health diagnoses in the past? No. What about family medical history? So I already mentioned my, my right? mother, um, my wife, does that, is that, cause that's not a blood It'd situation. It'd be like your mom and dad. Okay. So my mom, the only medical issue I'm ever aware of is, is that one. That's a pretty major one, but there's not been there no, no heart issues or anything like that. Um, and my dad, um, is going to turn 70 this year, um, is kind of the epitome of health. Okay. Um, any family psychiatric history? Um, no. Okay. So those are things like anxiety, depression, um, eating disorders, substance abuse, anything like that. Even um, if you suspect, but it's never been formally diagnosed. Cause I like to hear about that stuff too. It gives I got me you. good information. Okay. So substance abuse there, my, um, my grandfather, my mom's father, would have had uh, alcohol issues like when he was younger in life, but not even since I've been alive. Okay. And that's all you can, that, yes. that you're aware of? Yes. Okay. What about, um, for you, any legal history? No. Have you ever had to go in front of a judge for anything? 
traffic tickets. Okay, that's not significant. Okay. I'm not going to even note that on okay. your file. What about um, any substance abuse history? No, none. Do you drink? Yes. How many drinks do you have a week, would you say? Two and like one off each time. Okay. So like maybe one glass one night and one glass another night. And then any smoking, vaping, anything like that? Zero. Okay. Now I'm going to get a little bit deeper. Okay. Okay. Um, have you ever experienced any kind of traumatic event in your life? Um, so I would describe, uh, this is interesting. I'm, I'm happy to talk about this publicly actually, but I would describe, um, this is a mock interview. The, I know, but I don't mind <laughs> okay. do, doing this. Uh, this will be good. So, um, I, uh, I would say two things. One, uh, I'll, I'll give one example. Um, my uh, grandmother started having memory issues. I don't know if that was one of the family medical issues. It probably things. would be. So, if I, gotcha. so audience, just so you know, if I had my computer right now and I was typing out everything that we were talking about, because that's normally what I would do, okay. um, I would jump back up to family history and I'd okay. say, okay, yeah, he mentioned grandma. All right. There we go. So she had um, some dementia that was happening. And, uh, and my dad, I've got a really good relationship with my dad, but my dad is not a open talking about stuff. If I ask questions, I get answers and that's basically it. Well, I'm living a thousand miles away and, uh, and it's not enough that for a minute on the phone with her, I can tell there's an issue cause she remembered me. Um, however, when we went out for a visit, uh, she didn't remember my wife, didn't remember my kids didn't. Re and so I wasn't told that she had anything and real, like in a moment in time, this person who meant a lot to me all of a sudden doesn't know most of the people in my, that are, that are the most important, that are the most important to me. So, um, something, I don't know why, like, I guess I do know why, but, but that moment, like talking about having trouble sleeping and that kind of stuff, like I couldn't sleep that night. Like it was just this like weird response to that, uh, to that new information that I was just kind of blindsided with. Okay. And so that for tra for traumatic events, you definitely remember that yes. it stands out in your memory, big time. Okay, any other situations that you would want to share? Um, this one's a, t a tougher one, but I will. I don't mind sharing it. Um, talking about that visit right before my mom passed away, not knowing that was going to take place, she actually went. She she stopped breathing. Um, like I I was coming over to their house to see them. Um, we had already visited a couple times, but I was going over to have lunch with them or something like that while we were on that trip. And, uh, when I walked in, um, my stepfather was trying to like revive her. And this was kind of the beginning of the last day or so of her life. And, uh, and so I walk in thinking we're about to have lunch that's happening. Ambulance is like right behind me. And that was one of those like, Oh, this is like, surreal moment like I don't even feel like this is happening right now this is like a tv show I'm watching or something like that um I those are probably the two things that and both of those happen as, as an adult but those are probably um the two things I would say stick out as like stuff that I remember would even like go back and think about time to time I don't have a lot of negative memories I do that with those are two things that that ha that that not daily not even close to that but that'll pop up in my head just driving the car and that'll pop up sometimes. Okay. Um, both of those things. All right. So sometimes you get like an intrusive memory about those two yes. situations. Do you ever feel like you are afraid of, 
going back home because you might get inundated with those feelings? Do you ever try to avoid talking about those situations? I wouldn't say that I would avoid talking about those situations, but they're definitely, um, I guess, honestly, the one with my grandmother probably more than anything because it's something that I felt like I was, I should have been given that information. And so it's, it's something that kind of hasn't been addressed because I don't know how that would have helped to have addressed it. Maybe it would have. Um, So I didn't kind of didn't bring it up after that, except for me and my wife talked a lot about it afterward. Um, But I, I just, that was one of those things where it's like, Hey, this was something that didn't have to happen. And it did. Um, the, the situation with my mom, it was good. That just, I mean, I was oddly thankful to have been there and kind of been able to help in that situation and that kind of stuff. Um, but so they're, they're similar in that they're stuff that, that is intrusive. Um, but they are different in that one of them, um, I don't know how it could have been avoided. And I'm even glad I was there. The other one, I think it could have been avoided with basic communication communication. All right. Well, thank you for sharing because sometimes it's also different to have to talk about things like that. You're meeting me for the first time and um, I want you to know that this is really good information because we can absolutely formulate your treatment based on some of the stuff you've shared today. A few more questions about trauma, but not necessarily under that category. It's more than the abuse topic. Okay. Do you feel like you've ever experienced any kind of abuse? So that would be physical, sexual, or verbal abuse. No. Okay. What about um, ever having any thoughts of wanting to die or end your life? Uh, No. Any urges to self-harm? Never. Any thoughts of wanting to kill someone else? No. And then what about hallucinations? So experiences where you've heard something or seen something, but no one else could? Um, I haven't had that happen either. Okay. Now I'm going to ask just, I remember I was asking you earlier about like, how's your appetite? How's your sleep? Um, mm-hmm. How's your concentration? Um, I would say when I, um, I would say overall good, um, but there are kind of when, um, when I start with a good routine in the morning, it is much, much better than it would have been otherwise. I, I Doing what I do, a lot of different stuff comes at you during the day. And so it's easy to kind of have a plan for the day and one thing take you take you on a on a turn um and and take you in a different direction and so I've had to learn uh to let that happen and still come back to the stuff that had to have gotten had to have gotten done so overall I would say good um I have uh another thing I've noticed is um times I have spent a lot of time on a phone like looking at a phone or screens of any kind um messes my concentration up for the rest of the day. Okay. Um, and so I have really done some things routine wise to limit that, that screen time in a major, major, major way. And since then I would say I haven't really had much concentration issues at all. Okay. What about when it's like time to complete a task? Are you that you're talking about maybe some of that interrupts your task completion ability Yes. and then you get off track and it's really hard to get back on track. Yes. Um, what are some of the compensatory strategies apart from, uh, putting the devices away that you've found are very helpful for you? Um, a lot of times I start off the day with, uh, so we talked about 
self-care earlier, I would say one area of self-care that I'm pretty good at is I start off the day with some kind of breathing exercises, that kind of thing. Um, and, and just try to a few minutes of meditation and just kind of, of get, getting focused and, uh, um, doing that at the beginning of the day. And a lot of times I kind of start that over again, right after lunch, cause lunches can be a bit of a reset for me, um, where the day can go one of two directions. Um, I, I have found those two things make a really big difference as far as just concentration and that kind of thing. Okay. And then are you having any difficulties with, um, just staying organized or um, making appointments and things like that? I wouldn't say that. You're pretty good at keeping yes. track of where you're supposed to be and showing up when you're mm-hmm. needed and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, any experiences with feeling like you have to um, do things kind of compulsively or, yeah, like you have this, um, what's the word I'm trying to say, uh, like you feel compelled to do things in a certain way or you can't relax? Um, there is every, if I feel like, so no in, in general, but there are times where um, if uh, uh, something didn't, like a project didn't get fully completed and I'm, I'm concerned about uh, the status of it or something to that effect, um, I will like check it one or two extra times to make sure this is where it's supposed to be. This is on, on path of where it's supposed to be on path to, um, just making sure that nothing, nothing, uh, uh, unexpected had happened. That's not a lot, but it is, but I would say probably maybe twice a month or something like that, where I'm like, I gotta, I need to check that and I'm going to check it one more time just to, just to double and triple check some work. So your checks and balances system that you've created. Yes. Okay. All right. So um, I think I'm just about done with my questions for today. Okay. Um, I have one more. And then after that, I will have you tell me anything that you feel like you need to tell me or maybe uh, that I didn't ask about. Okay. Um, I just remembered. Um, I want to know, do you have a faith? Yes, I am a Christian. Okay, and how important to you is your faith? I would say that's kind of above all else. It's kind of the the filter I put everything else through. So if, you know, any treatment is recommended, would you like faith to be a part of that treatment? That would be awesome, yeah. So we can absolutely do that here. We can take, you know, more of a biblical perspective and make it like Christ-centered counseling for you. Um, Based on everything that you've shared today, I am going to be making some recommendations. Okay. I, I will be sending, so because I am a psychologist and not um, a professional counselor, or, or what the difference with me is I'm not master's level, I'm a, I'm a doctoral level mm-hmm. professional. Um, so because I am a psychologist, I do want to have the benefit of psychological questionnaires and very specific objective measures also. Um, they're just quick rating scales that I'm going to send over to you. Basically, they'll just look at specific symptoms of things like depression, anxiety, maybe look deeper into your personality a little bit more okay. because that can be used to just help even refine the treatment plan even more. Okay. okay? So I'll take that after you complete it, um, combine it with everything we talked about today, and then I will present a treatment plan to you by our third session in therapy. But for right now, what I want you to know is I am recommending... It sounds like weekly parent training would be really helpful. 
if your wife is open to that. Okay. And if you think it would be a good idea, I think you guys could definitely benefit from just learning some positive behavior management strategies, co-parenting, improving your communication as parents. I also think that every few weeks or so, we can alternate that with meeting with you individually. Um, because it sounds like there could be a little bit of, a of processing that might help you just deal with the past a little bit, just to make sure we're not missing anything. Okay. You said you want to be proactive, so we can absolutely give you space to process that in therapy and just guide you on, on what you can do with that, even from a biblical perspective. Okay. Um, I heard a little bit about forgetting to eat when you're stressed. So I'm just going to keep an eye on that throughout therapy. We do have a team of registered dietitians that can absolutely offer some really great general nutrition services. And so if I feel like I want a nutrition assessment, I'll let you know. Okay. But I'll just monitor that. And then another thing that we can help you with if you need it are just resources for your kids. Um, I know you mentioned like speech delays and things like that. So if there's anything you would ever need to get the kids um, any kind of services in the future. We'll help you with that as well. Do you have any questions about anything? I don't think so right now. All right. Well, then it was my pleasure meeting you, and I look forward to seeing you next week for our first weekly session. Fantastic. All right. So there you have it. That is the Red Clinic podcast for today. You guys just watched a mock intake assessment with a psychologist and our client, Lee. You did awesome. Thank you. Um, it was a little different than real life, so just keep that in mind. Um, a lot of times clients will come and they're in a lot more distress when they show up, so you didn't present in a lot of distress. I do want you to know that it's okay to be in distress. It's okay to cry during your time talking to a psychologist, um, especially if we ask about deeper issues like trauma or abuse or past. It's totally normal um, for us to hear about those things and if anything like that came up, I mean, I hope you felt like I, you know, took my time with you. Absolutely, and yeah. I praised you for even going there and sharing it. Um, I'm going to do in that situation, and most providers would, uh, whatever they can to help you feel safe when you're being vulnerable. Yeah. Um, what was that like for you? So I, uh, I wasn't exactly sure what to, because legitimately this was my first time doing something like <laughs> like this before. Uh, so I wasn't exactly sure what to expect coming into it. And uh, uh, probably in the first like 30 seconds to a minute, because um, I'm not nervous about being in front of cameras or anything like that. So that wasn't the nervous side of stuff. For first 30 seconds to a minute, I was like, oh, I'm going to have some, a lot of questions asked. Like, of course I'm going to, but I'm going to have a lot of questions that I'm going to need to answer here. And then things got very, very comfortable very quickly because it, it, you were so patient. They, there were follow-up questions to stuff, kind of digging a little bit deeper into things and that kind of thing. And so it felt like um, I just got really comfortable really quickly with the conversation. All right. I mean, you bared your soul. I don't know how much of that was actually true or not because I know we were doing a mock interview, but you did awesome. It, may, it came across as genuine. <laughs> Very cool. Thank you. Um, okay. So what else should I say about this for the audience? Um if, if you are struggling with an eating disorder, I would be asking more questions about the actual eating disorder and your relationship with food. Um, I would also, in, in our clinic, we have registered dietitians actually join, so there would be a dietitian here with me, and we would be asking questions together. 
um, those, some of those questions, just so the audience out there understands, are, are things about, you know, how do you feel about your body? Have you ever done anything to try to change it? Um, you know, maybe we'd be asking about a meal recall. So in the last 24 hours, tell me what you ate for breakfast, lunch, dinner. Did you have any snacks? What kind of fluids did you drink? Um, and we would just dig more into the actual relationship with food and body. And we get really specific. So what you saw was just kind of a general intake today. But for eating disorder specific, we ask questions sometimes that clients um, have told me they've actually never had to think about before. So it's really interesting that they have to talk about it now because they've never been asked some of those questions before. Um, they've never realized that it was even an issue in their life. And so even just this process of doing the assessment um, can be eye-opening for mm -hmm. clients. Did you ever have any of those moments during our talk? Yeah, so kind of talking through um, the, whether it's the parenting stuff, just kind of thinking about things from a different vantage point because of the way the questions were phrased and that kind of thing. Because that's not, like, a lot of times we have ways of, of self-talk and wording questions to ourselves, and, and there's other ways of wording those questions that bring out different ways of seeing a situation. And so the several questions that you asked were worded very, very differently than I would have thought about them in conversations in my own head. And it brought out a different response as a result. And that's therapy. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it is, you know, learning different perspectives, learning ways to think about things. I mean, we all usually have our go-to ways and then someone comes in as a therapist or a psychologist and they can help you kind of, um, uh, solidify, mm -hmm. you know, maybe what you thought you already knew or maybe didn't realize that you had no idea about, and then you start um, just growing emotionally and mentally. All right. Well, thank you for joining me today and for being the mock client. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was fun. I kind of yeah. got so into it that I forgot <laughs> we were on camera for a second. <laughs> Um, all right. So there you have it. That's Red Clinic Podcast for today. Tune in next week so you can see what a mock therapy session looks like with our patient, Lee. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>